Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And we are live here on another episode of Believe in Kentucky. My name is Vinny Hardy. I got the QB1, Jalen Whitlow. From the Cats Paws, we got Aaron. I get nine out of nine on the Macklin grid every single day. Gershon. <laughs> I spend way are, too much time on those. Are you human, Aaron? Do you ever miss any? You get nine for nine uh, every day? Come on, I've, man. Baseball, I've ne- yes. Baseball, I'm undefeated. Basketball and football have been different stories. But, yes, baseball, I'm undefeated. It's been – there are some days where, like, I've – Pulled some out of my ass. I'm not gonna lie, but uh, uh, I'm pretty good at them, and they're a lot of fun. It's something I look forward to every morning. Yeah, unbelievable. So good stuff, man. Y'all, y'all see Aaron tweeting out his nine for nine immaculate yeah. every day. Yeah, me and me and Jeff Drummond uh, go back and forth on those uh, all the time. We're comparing notes on those during, uh, at practice before practice every day. <laughs> Got to get Jeff on here too, man. Been a minute since. Uh... Reached out to him. But it's game one, fellas. Week one. Game week. Finally here. Summer's over. Camp is over. A real opponent. Ball State Cardinals are coming in here Saturday at noon. Um, We did our picks last week. If y'all didn't hear, check that out. We went game by game. But what are we expecting? What are we hearing? What are we thinking? Anything catching our eye or ear or anything this week? Yeah, I mean, it's not as much what we're hearing. I think now we're at the point of the season where no news is good news, right? I mean, no, there's been no new injuries to report. That's always good. I haven't heard anything uh, outside of just the expected stuff, uh, which they're really out, off the top of my head outside of uh, Ben Christman, the offensive lineman transfer from Ohio mm-hmm. State, and then Nick Hall uh, being out for the year. Uh, I don't think there's anything that's going on that's week to week, day to day right now. So I think they're in pretty good. At least that's been uh, nothing's that's leaked out at least. So they're in good shape there, and it's really just uh, getting on the field and, and playing football now, which is the, the most fun part of everything. So you know, I'm sure we'll dive into Ball State a little bit. I've pretty much caught up on just getting everything I need to know about them done. And uh, you know, they're obviously Kentucky's given a lot of respect to them and they're not going to overlook them. They, they play these Mac teams pretty much every year at this point. And uh, it's always a good opener and it's never the first half of openers are never pretty. And I have some numbers behind that, but uh, usually they pull away and uh, things end up pretty well going pretty well, but we'll see. Yeah. You know, I think, like you said, good, you know, no news is good news uh, in football season around this time. And you don't want any news, outstanding news for sure. But, you know, um, you know, I, I was watching interviews the past couple of days and, you know, it's, it's, it's business as usual sound like, man, um, you know, how it goes. First week of the season, you're just trying to, like Coach was saying, you're just trying to get guys to play clean. Yeah. And really just like the first few games of the season, right, just to play clean. Uh, don't give up the big plays on defense or minimize the big plays and and, and don't uh, kill yourself with turnovers and penalties on offense Restaps. at the end of the day. Yep. That's just what it is. Um, you know, I do think that they are going to uh, come out and be exciting on offense. You know, I just think that the pass game is going to be, 
you know, uh, much improved from last year, which is not hard to do. But uh, I, I do think I do. <laughs> I, I do think it'll be it'll be much improved. I think you got you know you got a quarterback who can who can throw it, man. You got, but most importantly, man, you you, you got a. I think you shored up the offensive line a little bit, and you have um, you got a better receiving core. You know, guys a year older, more experienced. Um, you know, added some pieces, got some, got tight ends back. So you know, it, it should be. It should be back, uh, you know, back to what we kind of saw in 2021, potentially better. And that's what people are waiting to see. Yeah. I think for me, the, <clears throat> the thing maybe is the way, and after week one, I think it will should go away, the way they answer questions without trying to take shots but end up kind of taking shots anyway, the um, – was it was it Stoops? I mean, he frustrated with the tempo. He he, he was oh, just, yeah, he was last just year. talking. Yeah. He was just talking normally, wasn't trying to throw shade, but right. just you know, there were times that you know we can go yeah. two minute, but there are times we need to be we need to have all of various different types of tempos where we can go different speeds. We can go two minute or we wait till there's two seconds left on the play clock, and that was basically it. There was no in between, and he wasn't trying to like throw Skangarell under the bus, but just yeah. the question, that's the way it was. I think after there's games, they can it'll be, what do we clean up? What do we see about this? But stuff, you know, it's just, it's just the way it is. They aren't even trying yeah. to no. refer to stuff from last year, and they end up doing it just answering a question. Right. I mean, even if – it was Cohen last year, and that was the struggle. Like, they're just talking about what they have to improve upon. I don't think they're necessarily taking shots. There's a lot they need to improve upon, and a lot – I mean, some of that was Scangarillo. Some of that was personnel. Some of that was on stoops because they, they didn't – the offensive line clearly wasn't where it needed to be from a player standpoint, and they miscalculated that. I mean, it is what it is. They're, everyone gets a little bit of blame on it. So, uh, you know, Skang obviously is going to get the brunt of it. He's the offensive coordinator. It's his baby. It didn't work out. Uh, but the, I think that, you know, the tempo that he brought up a lot on Monday, I think that's a great point. And the other thing that we heard Monday, we heard Tuesday, we heard last year is the verbiage and cutting that down and simplifying things. I mean, the Kel crowd has kind of told me just the the way they talk in this offense is easier for wide receivers. That's pretty much what he told me. It's just they're simplifying things. There's not as much thinking. It's going out and playing football. And that's what these guys are best at. So I think, again, I don't think there's any shots like you were saying. It may come off that way, but I don't think it's – I think they're just reflecting on last year and what needs to be cleaned up. And, uh, you know, those are two really, really big things. And if they can uh, – if the verbiage is better and they're able to understand it better, you know, good for them if they're able to play with some pace. That's great. And at the end of the games, with, I, I mean, this clock, I don't think it, it's that big of a deal. It's cutting, I think, like four to five, six plays a game. Um, but, you know, at the end of the games, you still want to be who you are, and that's run the ball and kill the clock. But early in the game, moving with some tempo, uh, giving the uh, defense some other things to think about, I, I think that can only be a good thing. And I will say this, you know, we're talking about tempo. Mark Stoops said it. I don't know if he said it on the radio show or he said it with us on Monday, but he said we're not going to be Tennessee or Ole Miss, so don't don't get that idea, uh, but they're going to try to get some tempo going. Yeah, I, you know, I I remember hearing that, and I, I think I'm I'm just I'm one of the biggest believers in the world and and changing tempos. I, I yeah. Just, as a defense coordinator, uh, 
you know, there's nothing better than being predictable on, you know, kind of when you're going to snap the ball, especially if it's slow. Right? Yeah. If you're going tempo and your Tennessee speed all the time, that's harder on a D coordinator, but it's still a little bit easier than changing tempos. Well, you can go like warp speed, like one word play calls. When you can huddle, break the huddle fast, get lined up and snap the ball. Uh, you know, when you can just, you know, play normal speed or when you can break the huddle and play slow or you can play slow and not huddle. So there's a lot of, you know, variables with that. Uh, and there's a lot of ways to attack a defense, you know, with changing tempos. Um, and, and it's just a, a weapon on offense that I think um, – I'm kind of shocked that more people don't use uh, at the college level, to be honest with you, and at the NFL level. I'm shocked that more people don't use that um, because I, I do think you can cause defenses to have to communicate. And, you know, when they got to communicate, communication breaks down, coverage is bust, uh, assignments bust, and now you got got guys running wide open. So, um, you know, it's one of those things that I'm – y'all know me, what we talked about last year. <laughs> I'm I'm excited to see uh, something uh, with some speed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, some type of some type of speed on offense. You know, uh, it, absolutely. I would rather watch paint dry than watch offense snap the ball with three seconds on the play clock. I mean, I, I rather I rather I rather turn the game off. Um, you know, it's yeah. just that's boring. You know, so uh, I'm I'm glad to see that. You know, I remember a couple years ago, man, they had. Will Levis and those guys, you know, one word play calls, getting the ball snapped fast, breaking the huddle, getting the ball snapped fast. That's the type of football that I think people like to see. It's exciting. I was I was going to ask you that anyway, and you kind of answered it. You like changing tempos, but did you have a favorite tempo? Like you look on the stove, you got high, medium high, medium <laughs> low. What what was your favorite tempo? Uh, I'm you like all of it, but what was your favorite if you had to pick, you know, your type of pace going down the field? Uh, I've never been in an offense where we were just like warp speed. Um, however, I do like the idea of playing fast. I, you know, I always thought that if we can get to play in fast and get this, get it out fast and get set fast, that we're gonna catch the defense off guard somewhere. and if there's a play call that has options, for instance, we'll call a play where we'll call a run to one side and some type of screen to the other. Most people do that. Or we'll call a play where we'll call a run to one side and some type of quick game concept to the other side. Or we'll call a play where we'll call a quick game concept to one side and a drop back concept to the other side. So what happens is, or we'll call a play where we call a true screen where we're getting linemen out to one side and a receiver screen or like a like a bubble screen to the other side and that way you kind of give your quarterback options because a lot of times when you tempo you now have to you know inform your quarterback and your team that you don't know what to expect from the defense a lot of times when teams tempo defenses come out and be a lot more vanilla they're not blitzing as much they can't sub in all their sub packages as much uh they can't you know play games up front and twist and whatnot they can't play these complex coverages. So you make you kind of strip them down to make them a lot more simple. Uh, so for the quarterback, it's easier to digest. It's easier to process. So a lot of people think playing fast may mean, you know, you may confuse your quarterback by playing fast. Well, a lot of times you're confusing the defense and the defensive mm -hmm. coordinator is trying to get out the most quickest, basic call he can get just to get guys lined up. 
their whole thing is just get lined up and play football. So if you got a defense just thinking, let's just get lined up, you got to get advantage because usually they're going to get lined up and play some type of country cover three or cover two or basic cover four quarters coverage. And now if you equip your quarterback with beaters or, you know, you kind of double play called it and where you kind of put two plays into one. And now no matter what the defense does, you have a, you usually have an option. Now, obviously the defense is going to win sometimes, especially if they got good players. But at the same time, you know, a lot of times offense win more than not. I mean, there's a whole list of cutups on huddle or not on huddle, but on, on YouTube of Baylor back in like 2014, just throwing touchdowns because teams can't even get lined up. Uh, <laughs> Tennessee as well. So that that's the thing. I think I think it gives you a clear advantage for sure. And I think you know, it's it's not a video game, but you you you're playing NCAA back when it was a thing, or, or playing Madden and and teams hitting explosive on you, and then hit the triangle button and try to go no huddle. <laughs> and as if if that happened to me, I. I would try to, as a defense, I would hit audible. I don't even know what the audible was. I would hit square and whatever just to be something different because yeah. I'm not going to be in the same defense because they just hit me with that. And so in real life, the coordinator's trying to change it and they're trying to line up. It's not just going to be like the video game where, oh, audible, and they in sync audible to what you hit on your controller is chaos and it's, it's, it's just no way it can be smooth for them trying to change it to give it a different look or different coverage. Like you said, they're just trying to line up and get down the field and be on side before the ball snapped again. And I'm glad you brought the video game analogy up because, you know, if people don't know, I am the Madden King. Uh, oh. and, and, and I think I, I always like to play with tempo. So I like I will go 10 plays in a row and, and run the ball or snap the ball as fast as I can because what's going to happen eventually is you're going to try to switch the defense and I'm going to snap the ball and somebody's going to run wide open. Well, that's the same thing that happens in real football. When teams like Tennessee or uh, Ole Miss or who else, Auburn now with Hugh Freeze, I'm sure they're going to do some of that. Um, and that's what happens a lot of times. The coordinators outsmart themselves and they try to throw some type of blitz in there or whatever and guys don't get lined up quick enough and boom, here goes a big play. Uh, so, you know, it's a it's a beast, and I think one reason why you don't see as much in the NFL is uh, the NFL can't you know it's illegal to run unbalanced formations right. and some of that stuff, so you don't get the full effect of it in the NFL. Uh, but in high school and college and middle school, and we used to use it in uh, in youth ball when I was a uh, when I played youth football, we used tempo, and it was a killer uh, because we would uh, break the huddle fast, line up in some type of unbalanced set, snap the ball, and they don't. I mean, their defense is still split in half, you know, so they don't have enough guys to get over there. So we we outnumber them by three or four guys. So, you know, oh we're going God. to the house with it. So, you know, it, it's, it's it's tough to stop. Once It's hard to get kids good at it. It's hard to build that habit of getting kids to play that fast. But when you do, uh, it can be a huge weapon for you. Man, jump in, hey, Jeb and Yakin. I know you. No, you're good. Yeah, I, I've not nothing to add on that. I, I think y'all hit it all, and I just think, again, this is not going to be it, with Tennessee. I think what's so hard, I, I, it's not even, you know, I agree the predictability is not there, and that doesn't, you know, that in hindsight should make it easier. It's, some of these teams just don't condition that way anymore. 
like Tennessee, I can't imagine what those workouts are like, what those practices are like sometimes. And uh, I mean, you just have to be in this condition that some teams just aren't in. I mean, Ole Miss, you see, uh, you see it the same way. I mean, I think last year it was a little bit different because they were more run heavy just because the personnel they had. I mean, Jackson Dart was kind of just getting adjusted uh, to the SEC. They had Quinshot Judkins. You had to feed him the rock. Uh, but I think, you know, they'll still use Judkins plenty this year, but they're going to kind of get back to that crazy pace. But again, Kentucky's never going to be that. Um, I don't think they should be. I think they just need to be right in between. They can't, like you said, Jalen, I can't tell you how miserable it was sitting through 13 of those games upstairs mm. where the play clock's at three and you're like, oh, it's going to be second and 15. Nope, they run a play up. It goes two yards. It's just it's not fun football. It's not fun for the fans. It's not fun for us covering it. It leads to boring questions. It's just it's brutal. So uh, I think like like you like we keep saying it, we should see more 2021 Kentucky. Uh, I think you can make an argument it has the ceiling to be better. I, I think the 2021 offensive line uh, is going to be hard to beat. Just not just not a knock on this year's offensive line, but Luke Fortner's not walking through that door. Darren Kennard, Darren Rosenthal. But um, from a playmaker standpoint, you know, not just having one guy, having multiple uh, in the running back room, having, you know, I think Ray Davis is going to end up being – I don't want to say he's going to be a bell cow, but he's going to get – a lot of people are like, oh, is it going to be running back by committee this year? No, Ray Davis is going to get the majority of the snaps. Uh, Demi Sumo is going to play, you know, a role, whether that's, you know, lining up in the slot, doing some funky things in the backfield. Uh, and then, you know, Juton, McLean, Ramon Jefferson will mix in. But Ray's going to be the guy they play most. And then you got all this wide receiver and tight end talent. So you got to you got to spread the ball around. You got to mix up the tempos and be unpredictable. And they have the personnel to do that. Yeah, that I, I looked at that tight end depth chart. Man. It's, I mean, you can't keep them off. And, you yeah, know, Kamari Anderson's a guy they want to redshirt. They don't want to burn a year. But, if, one, if he forces his way on the field, you're not taking him off of it. And two, there's always the, you know, you got to keep guys happy. You got to keep them thinking there's a shot uh, so they don't hit that portal. I think it's kind of similar to Jacoby Albert. Uh, if you guys remember that name, he was a four star prospect out of Alabama, um, I believe Fairfield, Alabama. And he ends up uh, transferring after one year. He just did, never got on that depth chart outside of the bowl game. And I think he just wanted to see his name on that depth chart, know the reps were coming and they never did. Um, he ends up transferring. So there could be some some of that strategy with putting Kamari on there, but man, they're, they're six deep at tight end. They truly are. And uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch how the snap shares and all that works out. No doubt. Just had what one thing with tight end, one thing with H back. <laughs> yeah. Full back. They're, just, they're just moving them yeah. around just to get them on the depth chart. Cause you know, Vince talking about, you know, 14 personnel and, and all yeah, that. Yeah, that's not that. happening. Mark Stoops said that. Because <laughs> Rich Scangarillo said last year that was a real possibility. I think Mark Stoops is probably a little uh, not not wanting to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> a little too soon. Too yeah, soon. The head coach also want to make sure he don't run his receivers away. Right. That's exactly <laughs> right. He's got two really good ones who uh, – yeah, he's got two really good ones, another slot guy you trust, and obviously uh, – a lot of expectations for Anthony Brown Stevens there, though. so it's uh, there's just there's a lot of bodies, and they gotta they gotta keep everybody happy because uh, that's just the way a college football is, is right now. That's the way college sports are. That's right. As always, we're brought to y'all, uh, coming to y'all courtesy of Believe.com. You can go there and 
find various different ways to listen to the show. We're live right now on Twitter at Believe in Kentucky, YouTube, Believe in Kentucky podcast, uh, Believe in Kentucky on Facebook. So you can interact, comment, follow, subscribe. That way you get every episode each and every week. Um, I see a blue puts these episodes up on their site. So uh, this live version that you're seeing now will be on their site. If you miss it, you can go to their site and get it. And so we appreciate Jason Markman, everybody putting his episodes up on Sea of Blue each and every week. Um, mentioned tempo and game one and all that kind of stuff. Jalen, man, what type of a player were you? Because you, you know, you come up here every week, you're all calm, cool, and collected. You got together in the locker room before the game. Now, you were the quarterback. Were you a, you know, beats by Dre in my own zone kind of guy? Were you running around? Were you screaming? Were you just kind of chill in your own thoughts? If y'all seen Spice Adams on Instagram where he would, you know, enact, reenact yeah. each type of locker room guy, what type of a locker room guy were you in those minutes leading up to time to hit the tunnel, time to get out on the field, all that? Yo, you know, what kind of zone would you be in? Yeah, man, I, you know, just, just like most people, I was, you know, headphones and, uh, you know, listening to music, you know, kind of leading up to, you know, kind of, you know, we used to go, we used to go out for just kind of throw arounds. Um, we just throw, throw the football around the receivers early. So up until that point, I was pretty much listening to music and whatnot. But honestly, a lot of times, once I got off the bus to go into the locker room, uh, depending on how I felt, I, I kind of put my music away. I put my phone away, uh, and it was just kind of all business from there. I didn't really – I wasn't really a music guy up until kickoff. I know a lot of guys are. You know, we warm up, throw around, they come back in. You know, they still got the music. Some guys are on – in a, you know, during throw around, they still have the – Yeah, yeah they are. Um, then some guys, after the long warm up with everybody in full pads, they'll come back in and throw the music back on um, and, and, and come out, you know, so you got some guys that way. You got some guys who, you know, like me, who don't do music at all once we get in the locker room. You got some guys who rather listen to the music that's blasting on the speakers in the locker room. Uh, and you got some guys who are who read before a game. Uh, some guys reading the Bible. They're reading other books. You know, so you got you got a whole bunch of stuff, man. But I, I just, you know, once we got off the bus um, to go into the stadium, you know, I was – I was pretty much locked in from there until after the game, man. I, you know, I, 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 you know, I don't have to have music. I even work out every now and then without music. So, and I know that's weird to a lot of people, but uh, <laughs> if I'm not, you know, I'm more of a podcast person now than music. Um, but you know, back then I'll, I'll get my tunes going on the bus. But once, once we walk in the locker room, it's, it's, you know, it's time to go. So what? would you listen to what type of music do you like ag what type of music guy were you jalen what are y'all what y'all's go to if you just want to get hype whether you are an athlete or not what do you i was never an athlete uh i was a scrub uh baseball player but no i i i'm more of a podcast guy now too nowadays to be honest with you i i'm all in on sports podcasts i listen to tons of different ones um i mean i like music occasionally more old school with rock and stuff like that and do like country obviously living in kentucky that's kind of a must but uh you know that's that's about it i'm not a huge i mean if it's a long road trip type thing maybe but 
I'm a pretty big podcast sports radio guy. That's just, that's kind of, I guess my business already. And uh, I just can't keep away from it. I'm addicted to it. That's, that's where you live. Huh? Uh, pretty much. Yeah. It's uh, you know serious. If, if it's not a podcast, I've got usually, you know, one of the serious, either NFL and will be uh, stations going sometimes yeah. college sports station with some of the shows on there. So uh, there's always, there's always sports to be talked about. That's true. That's true. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, I can listen to, this might sound weird. It can be like a, it could be like a smooth jazz. It could be a, like a chill R&B song. And I can still, you can get, I can get hyped to that or I can get chill to that. If that makes any sense. No, I, like, yeah, like, yeah. Like if you got, say you got a, say you got smooth jazz or some kind of just chill, mellow R&B track and imagine highlights to it. Like, like put, <laughs> Put Barry, put Barry Sanders highlights to any kind of music. Put Barry Sanders highlights to chill music. Yeah, you can be, you can like be fired up watching that. You know. Yeah. So I don't. I might be weird like that. That might not make sense. It doesn't have to just no, be I'll... intense. You know, huge heavy beats to be fired up. I can, I can be chill or hype to chill kind of music if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, no, I'll go back and watch the old, you know, giant Super Bowls or at least the highlights from those games, 2009 World Series of the Yankees and stuff. And they could put any music they want in the background of like those montages. It'll get me. It's more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm more of a watch, you know, to get pumped up for anything. It's more watching it or hearing it. it or not even just I have. To, I don't know. I, I'm a visual guy. That, that's, that's what I'm trying to say. So did that make yeah. sense though, Jalen? No, sense? no doubt. I know people who yeah. you know they only listen to R and B before a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they play linebacker. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I'm like, you They're trying to go hit you in the mouth. Yeah, you gotta leave that for the kickers and quarterbacks, man. But uh yeah, I I, I, I was a guy who I you know before a game, to be honest with you, I was on some, you know, Pastor Troy, you know, Lil John, Gucci. Um, but also, I can also listen to, you know, some kind of, you know, Drake or, you know, some, something that's a little bit more mellow or whatever. But typically I, you know, um, I had to, I had to, I had to hear, I had to hear something, something crump, you know, <laughs> to get me going. I, that's just who I, that's just who I always, been that way. Good, even, even since I was a kid, I, I had to, I had to, I had to get, you know. Back when I was a kid, you know, everybody was on the Lil John train and it was all the yeah. crunk music or whatnot. So um that's what they used to play for us at the stadium. But uh I had I had to get that going, man, just to just to get it going. Now once once the game is gone, um obviously there's no music, but if let's say if they did play some music in the stadium, I would I would need it to be like kind of chill. I don't need to get even more hype during mm -hmm. the game. I mean you know, that's when you start overthrowing stuff, and you know, you know what I'm saying. You, yeah. You, you, you took you, you took you going too much. So uh, yeah. I, I've had those games before. Trust me, where you know you're just too hype, where the ball just coming out of your hand, you know, with too much juice. So um, you know, er everybody's different, man. You know, everybody's different, and everybody got their own thing. I always thought it was unique for the people who can listen to R and B and get crunk. Yeah. Like, how do you get hype off of that? Like, I, I don't, you know, I thought, I always thought that was very, very unique. You know, I think that's, that's interesting to me. Yeah. I'm glad we, glad we hit on that, man. Cause you know, those guys in that locker room come Saturday, it's, it's going to be everything you, you laid out. 
It's gonna oh, be man. some of everything, and everything. Here we are. <laughs> and I, I, I wish you guys can, you know, I'm sure y'all know, but I wish you guys can like go in there and kind of just look around, and, and you could do you could do a whole study on that. That's a case study, man. <laughs> Uh, it's just what guys do to get themselves going. Like there's literally guys in there reading. Uh, yeah. Some guys like read books and read a Bible before they, you know, before they go out on the field and play, man. I, I, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Mm -hmm. So uh, one little thing, one thing too uh, happened. We talked about it before we start recording and, mm -hmm. and Jalen, you experienced it a lot too, but Cole Lancer, uh, was a walk on, and now he was able to put the clip out, uh, be put on scholarship, and it's, you talked about how enjoyable that is, and you got Aaron, you was uh, witness it as well. So congratulations to him. To, yeah, no doubt. To, to finally see his hard work pay off. Jalen was going into some of the differences that we didn't realize. I just thought, hey, you do the same thing as a team, but you just pay your own way, and there's right. a lot more to it than that. This is what like we were talking about before we started. Yeah, it, it is, or it was, I should say. I don't know how it is now, but it, it, it was. It used to be like some stuff. I used to be like, man, that's like, that's bad. Like, you know, and, right. and players used to feel for, you know, and we, they used to, you know, get around it. Uh, but it, it, it was like, come on, man. Like, they can't, you know, just because they're walking on, they can't do this with the team or they can't do that or they got to pay their own way. To, and it's just like, come on, man. Like, what are we doing? Like you know, these these schools and the NCAA got enough money to where um, walk-ons can at least eat with the team for free uh, without having to worry about sanctions and rules. And you know, come on, man! Like I, I never understood that. I never will understand it. Um, so yeah, there were there was. And I'm sure there's stuff that I don't know that they walk-ons had to go through. Uh, you know. And it's not that you're a walk-on. It's the fact that you're a walk-on amongst 100 scholarship guys or whatever, number 80 scholarship guys. And, you know, and it's just like you're being singled out almost sometimes. And, it, you know, like I said, at least back then with some stuff. And I, I always, you know, because I had a couple good friends that were my boys that I hung out with that were walk-ons. Um, and it was just like, man, this is – and they probably had the money to pay, you know, pay for whatever. But at the same time, as a team, why do you even have to go through that? Why do you have to, you know, divide that? So, but you know, it's it's, it's always a good thing to see those guys, you know, get recognized and get what they deserve. You know, the guys that put in the work, and you know, at the end of the day, you got to have talent to to get that scholarship. But um, there's a it's hard to do it. There's a lot of work being put in. I also seen a walk on when I was at Eastern, end up becoming our number one. Actually, he was number one in a in a uh, conference at some point in tackles, and he was a walk on guy. Um, so I, I've seen it happen where those guys are really, really, really good. If you're, you're on Kentucky's football team, you can play football. So, uh, it's just levels to playing at that level. So, uh, you know, you know, but shout out to him, man. That's, that's exciting. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, ball state. Um, we got we got some NIU guys that are familiar with them. Got some yeah. Illinois transfers that know them well. So, what should we expect from yeah. these cards? We start the season with Cardinals, end the season with Cardinals. So what, <laughs> what we expect from the Ball State Cardinals? 
Yeah, I can give you a, a pretty good rundown here. I'd say first things first with the coaching staff, Mike New is an NFL guy. I mean, he has an NFL background, similar to Liam Cohen. Uh, I'm, I'm losing track on exactly where he was in the NFL, what team he was at, but he's an offensive guy. He calls the shots uh, offensively. He's the play caller. And, you know, they do a lot of stuff that honestly is similar to Kentucky. A lot of 12 personnel. Uh, they like to run the ball. Last year they had Carson Steele, who if you remember – I was the best. I think he might have led the country in rushing. You know, maybe it was 1,575, but he transfers to uh, UCLA. They lose him, but they were able to go get uh, the leading rusher in the MAC last year outside of Steel uh, from uh, Kent State, Marcus Cooper. He ran for 1,331. Uh, so he was the other first team MAC running back. He transfers in. So, you know, the, you know they're going to want to run the ball. Um, by the way, New is with the. Um, he was with the Saints. He was the quarterback's coach for a season with Drew Brees. So there you go. Pretty good guy to be around. Um, I think offensively, uh, the things that are similar with Kentucky and uh, Ball State outside of pers- uh, outside of the um, scheme stuff is their quarterback, Lane Hatcher. He's not as talented as Devin Leary, uh, but he's been around the block as long as Devin Leary. He actually starts his college career at Alabama. Red shirts in 2018 was a three-star prospect. Uh, didn't end up playing there. Transfers to Arkansas State. He's the starter there for three years. Uh, in 2020, at a year they played a full season in that conference. I believe they're in the Sun Belt. Uh, 2,058 yards, 19 touchdowns on just two picks. But then in 21, he has 19 touchdowns, 13 picks. So you see the interception number go up. Last year he was at a Texas State. He was a starter down there. Uh, 12 games, 2,653 yards, 19 touchdowns, 10 picks. So he's one of, I think, nine guys in college football with over 10,000 passing uh, career, uh, over 10,000 passing yards in his career. So a really experienced quarterback, but has had some turnover issues, fourth different school, new system this year. So just just similar in the sense where he's seen it all. There's not going to be much that's going to confuse him. But again, this is the SEC. It'll be pretty a pretty difficult task. And then, you know, a tight end, they got two studs at tight end, very similar to how Kentucky's loaded there. Uh, Brady hunt. He's on the Mackey award list, 46 catches, 490 yards, uh, 498 yards, five touchdowns last year, though he is, uh, he has an ankle injury. So he is questionable. Sounds like he's going to go. And then they have a six, seven tight end Tanner Cousy, who had 35 catches, 373 yards and seven touchdowns. So plenty of 12 personnel, um, offensive line wise, bring back two starters, then three new ones. So that's the thing I'm watching with the offense that I think Kentucky might be able to exploit, uh, is in the trenches. Um, they do return the starting left tackle, the starting center, uh, left guard is a transfer, um, rep. And then let's see, right guard is a transfer right tackle, uh, played right guard last year. He's moving outside. So a lot some similarities to Kentucky on the offense side of the ball. So I'll pause there before going into the defense. Yeah, I remember watching Ball State last year. Uh, they had the running back. He was number forty. Was yeah, Steele. Yeah. Uh, Carson Steele. Yeah, he's got the he's big blonde, long hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a beast. Yeah, they played Tennessee, and I remember he was he was doing well, man. He was toting the mail. Um, you know, they they are very pro style. Uh, yeah. They want to run the ball and play action. Is what they want to do. Um, so you know, like I said, I I always believe that those teams are kind of tough to stop if they can. If you can run the ball just decent, um, it makes those outside linebackers and safeties really have to respect um, the linebackers in general have to respect the run, um, and you can get behind them or you can get outside of them uh, or you can get inside of them, you know, with the play action. So that's always tough. 
and D coordinators don't like any of it. No. Any you can run any offense if you do it halfway well, they don't like it because it, it can cause issues. Um, so, but and like like Aaron said earlier, usually the first game teams are kind of feeling this thing out in the right. first half, especially. Uh, so, we can see that, but we can also see kind of talent take over and scheme take over for Kentucky right. to where they're just the most talented team and they have a really good scheme and it can cause some fireworks, which is what everybody yeah. wants to see anyway. So right. we'll see. And that's kind of going on onto their defense. That That's kind of where I see an area or an avenue for Kentucky here. Uh, the strength, first of all, the front seven is is pretty stout, especially, you know, their two, uh, their two inside linebackers are all Mac guys. Uh, Clayton Cole, he's a senior, 110 tackles last year, seven tackles for loss, two sacks, two forced fumbles. And then Cole Pierce, we're talking about a former walk-on. This guy starts his career at a walk-on. Uh, he makes uh, third-team All-Mac last year, 85 tackles, 14 tackles for a loss. That's a pretty damn good number. Uh, team high, five sacks so uh, and a pick. So two really good middle linebackers and then a really good defensive end. Uh, Taven Woodward, he had, I believe, four sacks last year. And then a pretty good outside linebacker, too, Sydney Houston, seven-and-a-half tackles for loss, four-sack guy. But then the secondary is where I have my questions with Ball State. Uh, they do have a really good safety, Jordan Riley, uh, sec- uh, third-team All-Mac last year, 85 tackles, 12 pass breakups, no picks, though. But then at corner, Nick Jones was an NFL draft pick. He's gone. So there are two starting outside corners. One of them has a pretty cool name, Tyler Red Potts. Uh, pretty interesting one. He played all 12 games, only started three. And then their other outside corner, his name, another interesting name, Damon, uh, Damian Charity, which is not a great name for uh, a DB. I don't think the last name at least. Uh, second outside corner spot. He is only he is a transfer from Old Dominion. He only played eight games last year and only had, I believe, seven or eight cornerback reps in the year before he made one start at corner. He's mostly been a special teamer. So outside of, outside of um, Jordan Riley in the, in the second they're a little weak and then their other starting safety and should should have mentioned they play a 3-4-4 so that that's their front but um in the back end the other safety spot Lawrence Strickland is a D2 transfer from the University of Indianapolis he was at Ball State last year only played as a reserve so they have some inexperience in the defensive backfield um outside of that one safety so that's an area where I think um I think the two areas where Kentucky should and needs to take advantage is one uh defense aligned with Deion Walker uh, Oxendine, those guys got to eat this offensive line. They're good at center. They're good at left tackle. Everything else is a question mark. And then on the defensive side of the ball, um, yeah, the front seven might be able to do some things. They might be able to stop the run up the middle at least. But if you can bounce, get outside the tackles in the run game and then the pass game, take your shots on these corners, uh, try to avoid number three. That's going to be Jones, the safety. Uh, you should be able to have a lot of success. So, uh, again, I mean, this is a team that, has the capability to stay with you, uh, make your life difficult, confuse you with some things. But like Jalen said, uh, uh, there's too much talent on the Kentucky side to, to really let this team hang around too much here. Yeah, so the, like you said, the entire front seven returning, the entire back in brand new. So Yeah, one – yeah, I mean – Starting wise, yeah, yeah, so yeah. That, ex- except for the safety, yeah. So mm-hmm. it, it's a different look. They've done some, I mean, the MAC defenses are usually pretty good. Last year, they finished, uh, let's see where they finished last year, uh, 82nd. So 
lower end of the back half. So, you know, not great. They did have the 49th best pass defense, but again, a lot of those corners from last year are gone. One's in the NFL. So yeah, they're they're and they have a freshman kicker for what it's worth too. Never kicked before in a college game, never played a college game. Uh really good punter though. Uh but uh yeah, so we'll see what happens there. Um again. And one stat I think this is really interesting. Uh Brad White was saying today, you know, how he feels like his team has really struggled early in games and season openers. And I went and did some research. Kentucky's allowed a touchdown every opening drive, every home opener since White has been the coordinator, and a touchdown in every first quarter. However, however, this is where something's got to give. Ball State last year scored one first drive touchdown, and they averaged three points in the first quarter. So they were a terrible first quarter team. So something's got to give. Either Kentucky's got to clean it up. Uh, in the first quarter of this season opener, not let the other team get ahead. Uh, I will point out 2021 against ULM, though it did take 13 plays. Uh, it was a 42-yard drive because uh, Kentucky turned the ball over on the first possession of the game. Um, but still, uh, Kentucky has fallen behind. Actually, they were up against Auburn, but uh, they gave them a touchdown after. But since White's been, been the coordinator, they've had struggles with that first drive. But Ball mm-hmm. State last year could not score to save their life on the first drive. So mm. something's got to give. Interesting. Um, so going back to you know, we mentioned Ray Davis. Do you do y'all predict a thousand yard season for him? Ooh, he was um, one of one of four to get a thousand last yeah. year. Does he come to Kentucky where you know better offensive line? He was raving about it as soon as he hit campus. Does he get a thousand this year? Does he get the carries? So, what, that's what the thing. It? I think he'll be the he's gonna be the guy who's gonna get the vast majority of the carries. I, I'll stand by that. Uh I think Jutan will play. I think Ramon will play, but it will be Ray Davis. He'll be out there. He'll be there'll be scenarios where he's out there on three downs, though. You know, the, the luxury with the depth, you can keep him fresh a little bit. And then you're also gonna be passing the ball. But uh, Chris Rodriguez still, I think, had 1,300 yards in 2021. I'm not saying Ray Davis is Chris Rodriguez, but the avenues there, there is a chance. I can't say it's impossible, but I just think with how balanced they'll be with the passing game and, you know, they will rotate some backs in, though, again, I will keep saying that uh, Davis is going to get the vast majority of carries. Um, I, 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 I think he's going to sh- fall a little short of 1,000, uh, but it's not impossible. Yeah, I think coming out of carries, man. I, you know, um, you know, I'm not sure if he's like that bell cow, like a Chris Rodriguez or Benny Snell, uh, but I think that's not a bad thing as well because you have more guys that you can incorporate into the offense. Also, Ray Davis is more of a receiving threat than those guys. Yeah, he is more uh, than he gets credit for. Yeah, I so, saw it a lot in open practice. So they'll get him the ball. Now he may have over a thousand all purpose. He will, yeah. Uh, you know, for sure. So yeah, I think that's gonna be the thing, man. I, I don't know if there'll be a team that, that's gonna turn around and hand it off to a Bill Cow um 25 times a game. You know, I just don't I don't I don't yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't I just don't see I don't see that happening. Uh I think they have a lot of talent and I think you know kind of what uh Big Dog was alluding to is you know he's kind of stressed on how he's going to get those guys keep those guys happy you know because you got you know you got three legit receivers that they absolutely love from what i hear via the media you know we know of two of them and the third one with brown sounds like to me 
uh, that he's going to eventually be a guy that's going to be the guy at that third position, at that third receiver spot. Yeah, I think so. So you want to get the tight ends involved, keep those guys involved. You don't want those guys just being um, rams out there and just, you know, no pun intended, but just just ramming their head, you know. That's how it's usually been. You don't want them – they want to catch the ball this year. They yeah, man, you, you got you to gotta, you know, you gotta show some love to them every now and then, even if it's one catch. Uh, but when you have a lot of guys to get the ball to, you know, that's a good problem to have, but it does kind of open up some other problems that, you know, everybody wants the ball. They feel like they're talented enough to get the ball. They can play on this level. They want the football. So, uh, again, I'm sure they rather that problem than the other. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. So, it, but it just comes with the territory. I just don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's only one football to go around. Right. And they're going to look – I mean, the thing that's hard is, too, I mean, you got – I guess now with how the transfer portal is and keeping guys – you're going to have to account for some of the guys to – no matter what you do for them, they're going to leave, right? And you look at what they're doing in the recruiting cycle. Willie Rodriguez is one of the better high-regarded <laughs> tight ends in the country. He's coming in next year. Yeah. So you figure you're going to lose Bates. That's a given uh, with his – you know, this is a sixth year. Uh, Cummings, if he has a big year, he's a senior, he would go. But, you know, you'll still have Dingle coming back. You'll still have Caddis coming back. You're going to be adding, like I just said, Willie. You're going to have Kamar Anderson. So it's a tough one, man. And then next year at rod receiver, I mean, Dane and Barion got another year. They're not going anywhere. Um, Anthony Brown's coming back. You lose Tavion. That's the only given in there. So, yeah, you got to keep guys happy. But at at some point, you know, it's going to come down to – who are your best guys? I mean, as much as as highly as we talk about all these guys, uh, there's going to be there's going to be separation. That's kind of I think last year at tight end, and some of it was injury, but Caddis and Dingle clearly separated themselves, and those were the two guys that played. Um, so we'll see, we'll see. But it would be a good thing if there isn't much separation because that would mean uh, this team's loaded, and if there's injuries, they're not going to skip a beat, and uh, that's that's what you build for. Absolutely. Now, Deion Walker, you see him, is listed oh, on a depth yeah. chart as 348. Is that generous? Is that no, accurate? He's, is that... Well, he – ah, man, I don't know. He's just huge. <laughs> I don't know. But 348 sounds about right. And, yeah, I know he's, like, repurposed some of that weight. He's trying to get a little quicker, which makes him that just even more dangerous. And just – you think about just the defensive tackle, the, the rise of that position in the NFL just the last couple of years. Look at what – Quinn Williams has done with the Jets, Dexter Lawrence with the Giants, Chris Jones, Kansas City. I mean, that position has become a premium spot in the NFL. And I think that Deion Walker playing at this level, uh, he does it this year. He takes a step up this year. He takes another step up next year. We're talking first-round pick, top 15. Like, that is the ceiling for that kid, in my opinion. Uh, Mark Stoops has said, he very rarely says this guy can be an All-American. He, he said it about Deion Walker. Every time he's asked about him, he's like, he's just got to be Deion. Like, he's a guy where we saw the whole thing. I think we talked about it last week where they pulled him off the field so they can run some offense. Like, <laughs> he's just a different cat. They haven't had a player like him, I don't know, ever. Like, a defensive tackle, ever. I mean, yeah, they've had some elite edge rushers like Josh Allen, Bud Dupree, who Jalen played with, but like uh, DT? Dwayne Robertson, early 2000s, went top five in drafts. Okay, there, yeah, and yeah, that's right. He, I mean, he didn't have, the, as far as talent around him, it was, it was lean years. Yeah, didn't, right. I think it went to the Jets, but didn't have a long okay. career. <laughs> but uh, 
and it, it was one of that's back when you know right. we're we're seeing the depth at all positions now right. and wow but him and we're like whoa and this dude he went tough you know you, you're yeah. proud of him but it was still it was, was kind of like wasn't success yeah, wasn't nothing, there nothing and, against Damon Davis one of the favorite guys I've covered but like when he went in the first round or when he became we were kind of like whoa like how did that yeah, um, but Dion, like this dude, is just someone that definitely Mark Stoops hasn't had before. Uh, these are the dudes yeah. that are usually at Alabama, that are usually at Georgia. Uh, that's why you know with this transfer portal, you hold your breath that like a bag doesn't come through that he can't refuse type thing. But uh, he seems really loyal. He loves Kentucky, and uh, man, you just got to keep that guy healthy. And uh, he opens up a lot. That's why you need a big year from the the Oxendines, the Ripkas. Uh, Josiah Hayes, you got to have some help. The guys behind him, you know, JJ Weaver, Keaton Wade, Afari, like they need other guys to step up because teams are going to double Dion every week. Uh, Mark Stoops said they might triple him sometimes. So uh, that's a great thing because it's going to leave guys open, but you got to go out there and execute. But uh, yeah, Dion Walker, I can't wait to see what jump he makes or uh, I don't know how, but like uh, he was so, so dominant last year. Uh, it's just going to be fun to see him grow. Uh, if he really can take a step, like that, that's going to be really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. So, score predictions for Saturday, which I got. Go ahead, Jay. Man, um, score prediction for Saturday. Hey, I, I can't lie, man. I, that's that's tough. That's um, tough. You haven't seen them yet, right? I, I, I'll throw I'll throw this out there. Um, <laughs> I'll go. I'll go. Thirty-eight, fourteen. Okay. I'll go thirty-eight, fourteen. They score on the the the, the backups. Um, you know, they may score one on on the starters. They score the second one on the backups. Um, you know, our backups get in and. You know, maybe get a field goal or something, but uh, you know, uh, uh, 30 or 14. I'm in um, that ballpark. I think they're going to crack 40. I think they're going to do it. I think that they're out to prove something. I think that, I mean, last year they scored 37 in the opener, but they did have one drive start, I believe, at the two yard line. They had a kick return. I think there's just something to prove, man. And I just told you where I think you could exploit some things with Ball State's defense. And I think that's plays to Kentucky's strengths, which is fun to say for once where it's in the passing game where the strengths are. But, you know, I think Dane Key, Marion Brown, Anthony Brown, Tavion Robinson, they can win matchups in this game. They could have their way. And with a guy who's accurate and a guy who's not going to miss, a guy who's not going to miss an opportunity to take those shots, he's going to take what he can get. And Devin Leary, I think that makes it dangerous. And I think uh, I think we see Kentucky put up 42, I think, defensively. Um, I, I, Ball State, I wouldn't be surprised if they score in the first drive of the game. That just seems to be how it always goes. Um, uh, maybe late in the game, you know, they add to their – you know, they have a really exciting freshman quarterback um, that really – he almost came and stole the job from Hatcher, a guy who's really, really established in the college game. Um, so maybe he comes in at the end and puts him on a board a little bit. So I'll go 42-21 in favor mm. of Kentucky. Um, with you on the 21-point win, I'm I'm going to say 30-9. to nine. I don't know. That's, okay. That's just gonna, Three field goals. I, yeah, or a missed extra point or something. Maybe one touchdown and mix it. You know, safety. 
freshman. <laughs> All right, uh, touchdown on miss. Well, uh, what did I say? Missed oh, yeah, it. touchdown, yeah. miss extra point, and then you get your field goal. Yeah, okay, that yeah, works. Yeah, and so you know, you, you mentioned the experience, freshman kicker. kicker. Yeah, yeah, and he gets it blocked or he shanks it or something. There you go, and that's how I get the nine. That's uh, where we don't have to sweat it out. Maybe they don't light up the scoreboard as much as they hope. And defensively, they just kind of smother them like, like yeah. we kind of expect them to, to do pretty much every year under Brad White. You know, they do give up that first one, and then they kind of, okay, get their legs yeah. under them, and here we go. Let's go. Yeah, ahead. really, the only game where they had a, the offense kind of had their way was Toledo in 19. They scored 24. But other than that, that's not much. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's what we hope to see. Uh, we talked earlier about thinking what Florida loses tomorrow. They they play Utah tomorrow and the return trip to Yeah, uh, second game of the series. Yeah, out there. But they should have lost in Gainesville last year. Yeah. Uh y'all picking Utah even with a backup quarterback to handle Florida. Jalen thinks it's gonna no be doubt. a lot more lopsided than I do. But I am taking Utah. <laughs> I, I got I got Utah by ten at least. Um yeah I, I just think I just think Florida's bad. And I think you know. I, I think Utah is Utah is probably top five most consistent programs in the last five years or six years. They they have been consistent every year. Good defense, good run game, solid at quarterback every year. Um, I'm I'm going with that team on the first game of the season. Yeah, that's Thursday a tough night. one. And that environment, too. That On oh, ESPN a, Thursday night? Yeah, sneaky, home? awesome environment. Um, yeah, I'm going – no, no doubt. Yeah. You got to – yeah, no I keep forgetting that game's tomorrow. I'm pretty pumped up just to yeah. have that one. I know Mizzou plays, but they're playing freaking South Dakota. So right. that is what it is. And then uh, I think Nebraska plays Minnesota tomorrow night. So mm. first game of the rule era. Um, but, yeah, no, that one's going to be – that one's going to be a lot of fun. I think, like I said, I think with the backup quarterback stuff, um, I think it'll be a little closer than 10, but I do think Utah's just got a little too much at home. Um, I, the only things I see that I like in Florida's roster are, I like, you know, the running backs, Etienne and Johnson, that's as good a duo really as anyone in the conference. And they got some guys coming back on that offensive line. But, you know, I, I'm just – I like some of the things I'm hearing with Graham Mertz about how Paul uh, Paul Chris kind of sat down with Billy Napier and they kind of went over how Wisconsin misused them and there was some honesty there. So, like, maybe I'll give them some benefit on that. But I just don't see it for Florida this year. I think that Napier's still trying to get the guys he wants in that building. I think there's, a, there's just so much turnover that it's hard to translate that into much in one year. And there's a reason, you know, they're over under on wins is five and a half. I just think it's an uphill climb. They've got a crazy hard schedule starting with this Utah game. So um, I don't see much happening with Florida this year. I think six is probably like the best they're going to get to, maybe seven uh, wins. Uh, but, yeah, I think this one – in an opener, uh, it's probably a little too much. The four and a half line that it is right now, I think, is pretty fair. Yeah. I, I also, you know, what do y'all feel about the TCU Colorado game? I have this like TCU is better, right? TCU is better. Colorado isn't. I have the sneaky feeling Colorado is going to win that game, though. I don't know what it is. If it's just Dion, if or I'm like I'm all in on this idea of Dion in the Power Five. I just I, I tease like it's a dumb thought because I think what's the line? What's the line? It's like 20 points and it's in Fort Worth. Um 
What, what day is that? Saturday? Yes, yeah, Saturday. Uh, okay, yeah. Nooner on Saturday, 20-and-a-half-point favorites, TCU. I don't know why. Like, I just have this gut feeling Colorado's going to win that one, and the, it's going to be a mess from there. Uh, but, you know, I got, you know, TCU is the defending, you know, national runner-up. They lost a lot of that roster, but, yeah. you know, Sonny Dykes is still there. They're playing at home. You know, I, I deep down, is TCU probably going to win? Yeah. But I don't know why I've had this gut feeling that at least, I mean, maybe win the game outright, but I think they're going to make it a lot more interesting and get people talking a little more. I think Deion Sander know, Sanders knows no one's picking them to win that game or really win more than three or four this year. Mm-hmm. I got T, I got TCU by 17 at least. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I do think TCU wins outright, but I do – I think Colorado might hang around more than people are saying. I just have this feeling, man. I hope so. But it's, it's a it's a tough schedule for the- – <laughs> Colorado, but it's mm. probably the best Pac-12. It, it sucks that this is the last year for them, but this is like the best the Pac-12 has been in a long time. And Colorado's going to play a bunch of the beasts on that. Yeah, we got Nebraska, which we'll see what Nebraska's going to be like uh, with the rule, and then uh, yeah, this one in Fort Worth. Nebraska sold out their stadium for volleyball. That was night, so cool. Yeah, which, that's so cool. I mean, that is that a, which their volleyball is strong. They, I mean, yeah, they, they but got ninety thousand man, ninety thousand for is, like. Is, is that an indication of that they know that we just the only time we better get in here and cheer for something good? Because <laughs> nah, their <laughs> football team. I've been, I've actually been to Lincoln a couple times, and they're just crazy about their like. If yeah. the basketball team was good, man, they would be. It would be the same sport. Like they're. They are. It's all about Big Red out there. Uh, yeah. Their fans are awesome. Uh, we, I mean, look, they've been terrible football wise for six years now, and that sellout streak has gone hasn't even been close to being in jeopardy. So mm-hmm. uh, it's a special fan base, and that was one of the cooler things I've I've seen in a, in a bit uh, with college sports in general. Uh, North Carolina, South Carolina. I, I'm, I'm not saying hit every game, but what y'all think about? That? Yeah, some of the big South, South Carolina. Mm. Yeah, like – so if North Carolina had a good defense, I'd pick North Carolina, but they don't. So I'm, I'm, yeah. Their defense is terrible. Um, it didn't get much better. Drake May, though, is, I mean, top three quarterback in the country, top two maybe. I mean, Caleb Williams is number one. Uh, Drake May is a great quarterback. He's going to be a high NFL draft pick. Uh, I think this is a high-scoring game, but – Again, if I'm going to pick one team to stop a nosebleed, it's going to be South Carolina. Uh, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But I, I think that there's a path for North Carolina if their defense is improved and we just aren't seeing it. But, you know, it's hard to go against the SEC team here. Though I am worried about South Carolina's offensive line. It's a disaster. It's a lot of Kentucky vibes where it's either youth, out of position, injury. It, there's some There's some issues there. FSU, LSU. 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 Um, I think I think it's going to be a, a decent game. Probably not as good as last year or not as close as last year. but I think it'll I think, be better, but not as close. I think – I think. oh, yeah, that's a good point. I think <laughs> – uh, It was ugly last year. <laughs> yeah. I, I think LSU is good on defense. Uh, what's his name? Perkins. Uh, yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah, is dog. But I do think LSU is going to be really good on offense. Me too. I think the quarterback, I mean, the receiver, I mean, they have, 
Their two defense quarterback. Yeah. Um, you know, arguably some people may even say they may be better at backup. <laughs> uh, but I I do think they are going to be pretty good. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, you got to, they clicking on all facets, man, on all cylinders because they can throw it, they can run it. Uh, they got solid running backs. They got to get online, solid receiver, you know, get quarterback. Um, they, they're always extremely talented at LSU. So, you know, good coach. They're going to be hard to beat. You know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they're in the SEC championship game. They could. Did last year when nobody expected them to. And he still, he said in media day, he's not where he wants to be depth wise and talent wise as far as Georgia level. But they're close. Could they, there. you know, they, they already did it last year. They could again. I, I still think Alabama gets in there and, and edges them out. But it, it can't shock us if LSU wins the West. I mean, it shocked me last year, but it can't shock us this year if they go back to back. Yeah. It wouldn't. Yeah, it would shock, shock me at all. Mm. I mean, I, I do think I do think Bama will probably get them at home this year. Um, but, it, you know, it wouldn't shock me if LSU beat them, man. I, I just – LSU, I just think – I think the guy's a good coach. And I think he has yeah. good players. He has better players. I mean, the dude was made, the, made the playoffs at Notre Dame, made the yeah. national championship game at Notre Dame. Uh, at Cincinnati, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, he, he's a good coach, and now he has access to, um, you know, a, a, a <laughs> level unlimited, of ta- unlimited a, a resources. Le- unlimited resources yeah. and, a, and a level of talent <laughs> in a talent-rich yeah. state, in a talent-rich region yeah. where it's going to be hard for him to fail. Yeah, I agree completely. I I picked LSU to win the SEC West at Media Days, but I don't know, man. Like the more I see out Nick Saban smiling and giggling a lot, and I see them being doubted, and I look at their offensive line, they've got the best offensive line in the conference. Uh they're they're scary. Like they can it's gonna we're gonna have to see Jalen Milrow. You know, he's unproven. We're gonna have to see you know, how the wide receiver position shakes out this year, but they are Alabama. They usually figured out just okay there, uh, to say the least. But um, uh, something about Alabama, the vibes I'm getting, I, I think they might win the entire SEC, uh, the way things are brewing, though. Georgia's – you know, I, I'm so – like, I th- obviously, I think Georgia's going to be one or no-loss team, make the playoffs, be a championship contender. But, you know, three in a row is – it hasn't happened since the 30s for a reason. And there have been some really, really good teams. Like, we, you know, the Florida documentary, which was a bust, by the way, uh, just came out. But those teams, uh, if they can't win three in a row, uh, you're talking Miami some, back in the day. Miami, that's where I was going with that. Nebraska in the 90s. I mean, you're talking some dynasties that could Bush and Liner. Bush and Liner. Bush and Liner. Liner. Bush Young's up there. Even Alabama, like some of the early, like 2000, they went in 2009. They went in 2000, I believe 12 was the next one. They won. They're broken up. They they didn't get it done back to back to back. It's almost impossible. So they've already done the incredible winning back to back. Three in a row is really hard, and you know their schedule is very favorable. Yeah, they might run the nice. table and win that, go undefeated into Atlanta. But mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know, man. Alabama's a sneaky national co- uh, title contender. They're obviously a contender, but they're sneaky. Like, if I were to bet on it, like wanting to put it down for them, I just have this feeling it might be an Alabama year. 
Almost. And they're they getting slept on too. They're that's what I'm saying. Like that, like this, you know, there's not going to be many people better at that than Nick Saban. They're not yeah. putting out a depth chart. They're doubting his coordinators. I, and again, I think Tommy Reese is kind of similar to Brian Kelly, where I think he's a really good coordinator who has the guys now. I don't think he had the guys in Notre Dame. So, hmm. especially in the trenches. So, Alabama's man, they're they're scary, and, uh, and they got that LSU game in Tuscaloosa this year. So, uh, we'll see. I think the only time in, the only time I can remember recently that uh, LSU's won in Tuscaloosa, they had a guy named Joe Burrow quarterback. So, yeah, I think I think Bama I think Bama can be extremely dangerous. Yes. Um, the the way their offense is set up, uh, they could potentially have a quarterback who can run it. The best O line in the conference. A good receiving core is always good. Running back is always, and now they have an offensive coordinator who can who's going to actually be diverse in the run game. So the run play action game with a quarterback like Milrow is going to be uh, good luck. You know, good luck stopping that. I mean, dude is a four is a four four forty. Some some say some say four three. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see how it all plays out. Actually got stuff to watch starting tomorrow. I mean, week zero went the appetite, but now it's now it's really here. We'll see. Yeah, man, it's right exciting. Tomorrow night, Just talking about a game this week. It's fun, man. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, hopefully, it is uh, a comfortable win. You don't have to, you know, sweat it out. You know, like you said, talent yeah. prevails and keep guys healthy. That's the yeah. other thing. Mm-hmm. And- one thing I want to get in really – the big, biggest thing about running away and making it comfortable, it isn't even just for the fans. So that's a bonus. But last year, one thing that really stunk is they never pulled away enough to get to the backups run. And they didn't get guys reps, which could make guys unhappy and hit that portal. It could just – it could slow their development a little bit. they got to get to a point where the fourth quarter, at least most of the fourth quarter – Hell, it would be great if it was late in the third quarter, but being reasonable the fourth quarter, you can get Kaya in there. You can get um, Wilcox, the running back, Kamari Anderson, the tight end, uh, some of the young guys on defense. you got to get these guys run, um, get them some experience. Because um, next year, you know, quarterback especially, I mean, we'll see if Cutter Bully is really going to start as a true freshman, but uh, there are going to be positions up for grabs where you want to have some guys to have some bullets under their belt. Uh, they didn't get to do that last year. That's why you, I think that's an even, that's part of the reason they had to go so portal heavy again was because they just didn't have the experience they needed uh, from their depth pieces. So get it into a position where you're up three scores, four scores, and you can get some kids uh, some run. Makes sense. Makes sense. Let's hope that's how it ends up happening Saturday. All these non-conference games to start the season. Just yeah, you got three in a row. Like mm-hmm. that you should win by at least twenty at the minimum. Like we're not talking. Uh, we're not talking any of the big, um, big time, really good power uh, group of five teams. We're talking middle of the pack to bottom end one. So, yep. absolutely. So, fellas, we'll be back uh, next week to do this all again. We uh, oh. Real quick, too, is is on the basketball side. Is Big Z gonna be eligible? Big, Z, oh, is there, there are questions with it. I've been so heads down. Head down. If, uh, they were seeing Rhodes yet. He's in the student directory. Somebody said, you know, I don't. I don't yeah, know. I know he's on the roster. Um, okay, and, uh, and then Cal, know. yeah, and then you know Cal welcome him or whatever. ESPN. So yeah, so 
I don't know. There's a little bit of stuff, but I yeah, we'll get it. I'll have got... to do some research. I've been so head down with football. <laughs> I have no clue. Hey, no problem. No problem. And check Aaron out at the catspaw.com. It's at the beginning, but uh, all his content there. Sailor Whitlow was a coach and an author. Y'all check him out there and trains young up and coming high school players and prospects. So these guys doing big things. Be back next Wednesday. I'll be talking morning though. EKU, CJ Conrad, Walt Wells, and all them coming to town for a little reunion next week for the second game. But got to handle Ball State first. We'll talk about all that next week. On another episode of Believe in Kentucky. Everybody stay safe. Enjoy the games. Season is here. We'll see y'all next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.